Whew. Let's get this. Hello, everybody. My name is Kevin Verga, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Devin D'Agostino. Devin, how are you doing? I am Devin Words today. I think it's always good to use an inside joke between us as an opener. Yeah. Just to show the audience that you're listening in, but you're not completely aware of what's going you're not completely connected we know we know that there's there's deeper things in that and we need to as hosts maintain the element of surprise at all times speaking of, <laughs> of keeping the element of surprise here's a surprise we have a surprise guest joining us as never before mel henry mel welcome to the show how are you thank you i'm i'm doing fantastic thanks fantastic that's fantastic. yeah it's a great day what makes it great I don't know. It was sunny out. It's not snowing for the first time. You can go outside. Feels like spring. Yeah. You're not on our yet, show. Though. Yeah. Looking forward to this all week. Well, that's fantastic <laughs> because in just a second, Devin, Kevin, and Melvin are going to stop making sense. And what that means is every episode, Dev and I choose a new talking head song to analyze and ponder, and we let our minds wander to uncharted realms of science and comedy and music where we answer such burning questions as who took the money? Who took the money away? Where? Where is my common sense? Where is that protection that I needed? And most importantly, where is that large automobile? All this and more coming up on this episode of Devin and Kevin and Mel Stop Making Sense. This week's episode, we are discussing Air off the 1979 album Fear of Music. thoughts any initial reactions mel i'd like to kick it off with you what are your initial reactions of this song and if you'd like to go into it what is your talking heads journey what's your background with the band so upon first listen kind of sounds a little halloweeny like monster mash vibes a little bit and it's a little dissonant like i don't know when i first listened to it i was like oh that's that's a strange song then i started thinking about it in like different contexts and so you know, it's about air. And I thought about it in the context of Corona, because you know, like the air now is like laden with sick germs. But then I kind of was like, oh, well, what about their historical context? What's going on then? So this is like 1979, right? We have environmental movements going strong. And then we also have the Cold War. So I was like, hmm, maybe this is about nuclear things. But then also it's the year of the three mile nuclear meltdown. So I was like, hmm. Well, that's really interesting. I. I did not even think to remove the song out of the current context because I found it so relevant to today. But that is a critically important thing to do. And I think that's really interesting. I'd like to hear more about that. The Three Mile Island meltdown literally happened like months before this song came out. Like whether it's related or not, well, this does fit very nicely into the historical context. I, I've never heard of that meltdown. Devin, have, do you know anything about that? No, I don't. Mel, do you want to like provide some more info? Because I think we're both very interested in that. Yeah, so this is just based off my quick research I did yesterday, but there's like this nuclear power plant in like Pennsylvania somewhere. Something went wrong with one of the reactors, so they had like a mini meltdown and like it wasn't as bad as like Chernobyl or anything like that, but it was the worst one we've ever had in the U.S. So after that happened, then they kind of put all these regulations onto nuclear power plants because it was like a free-for-all before that. Mm -hmm. Devin, what, what are your takes? Did you think nuclear? Did you think present day, past, future? 
I'd love to hear it. I'm feeling very sheepish, sheepish right now because I just wrote spooky. But Mel, I love this take and I love also putting it, contextualizing it when it's written and I'm looking back at the lyrics now and I think it's so cool because especially when it says, what is happening to my skin? Where is that protection that I needed? It's a gruesome sort of image, but pairing it with like this three mile island um, incident, I'm sort of picturing like that person and their skin is like, this is our Halloween episode. If anyone. Kevin, I'm giving you a lot of time to edit it versus the eight two months, days I gave you last but yeah, I'm like picturing someone and their like skin is melting and they don't know what's going on because obviously they don't know about like the nuclear reactor exploding and that protection that you need, right? Because from like a biological perspective, skin is that first barrier. It's interesting brought in COVID and I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but like that first barrier keeping viruses, diseases, bad things, pollutants in the air away from us, but like now it's melting away or now it's not working. I like how there's a commonality that we're all talking about how spooky this song is. And the spookiness, I think, comes from the Scooby-Doo style air vocals that start off the song. But there's also a spookiness of a subtextual meaning that the lyrics of the song are also backing up the spooky instrumentation and that these lyrics aren't fun. They're obviously pretty troublesome. And I think it's even scarier that we can have decades worth of applications historically to how these lyrics are relevant. We talk about it hyper relevant to COVID and now back when the song was written. And I'm sure if this song was being played in 1989, 1999, 2009, we'd find things at that point to apply it to. And that's spooky. I'd say that's very unsettling. I'm just thinking about it now in like the context of all the other things that we could list it as and it's scary how long the list is like first I was like oh ozone hole like that's an easy one what's happening to the air it's literally a big hole and what's happening to my skin it's literally burning now. Well I think that that's a whole nother conversation too like the universal applicability of some of these songs especially these talking head songs and the multiple interpretations that they're open to. Also, I'm thinking about like, I think we talked about this with Cities or a previous analysis of one of the Fear of Music songs, but even the cover of the album is this very industrial tire tracks sort of pattern or something you'd see um, on the bottom of like a piece of metal, which also it brings me to like an interpretation of pollution. You're talking about the environmental movement and the environmental act. Yeah, there's definitely something there too. Air, which we think of as pure and good, I'm diving too deep now, but comparing it to the album before this. More songs about building and food where you have this sort of bucolic looking at farmland and being outside and nature and very in connection with the things around us. And it's like good and happy and comparing it to fear of music and air where we have pollutants and toxins and your skin is melting off. It's spooky. I like how we keep talking about these existential threats to all of humanity. And we're like, yeah, it's just really spooky. (laughs) Like we have no word for the existential dread that comes with it it's just spooky what what is spooky what makes something spooky because they're scary and then they're spooky and i think just rallying off the top that i'd like to throw it by you guys i think scary is that is definitely a threat that is a wolf person a werewolf and they are definitely a threat that's scary Spooky's like, ooh, when I run up the stairs from my basement and there might be a goblin trying to get my ankles, that's spooky. It's not definitely a threat. And I think that's why Air, the song, is spooky because Air is invisible and the things that we're scared of, like ozone radiation, nuclear radiation, 
COVID, they're all invisible things, and we can't, like, see it and see it as a definite threat. It's just a spooky thing that might get you at any time if you're not looking or wearing your mask. Spooky is, like, lurking. Like, you always know that it could be there, and, you know, in the shadows. Scary to me is more like, ah, like, it, like, pops out of nowhere. You weren't expecting it. The onset of COVID, scary. The effects of COVID for a really long time, like, spooky. An exploding nuclear radiator, that's scary. But then living around that radiation for 10 years after, that's spooky. You never know what's gonna, when you're gonna sprout like a third eye or like a third limb or something. Well, I guess it'd be a fifth limb, right? You guys all have four limbs. Last I tracked you. I'll have to see at the end of this song. (laughs) And if I could keep going, we're talking about Fear of Music as an album. Something I noticed, a brief aside, is I've been going on Talking Head Spotify playlists, just trying to find new music. And I keep finding these multiple greatest Talking Head hits or like the best of the Talking Heads that people make. And it's always Psycho Killer, Once in a Lifetime, This Must Be a Place, and then just all of Fear of Music. There's no other album where like every song gets played, but they just have straight from bottom to top, cover to cover, Fear of Music. And I think that's awesome. I think it's a really fantastic album. And I like that this is the third song we're doing from that album. And each one has had a spooky, scary aspect to it. We did Memories Can't Wait. And I think the scary aspect of that was that we actually went inside my head in that episode, which is always a terrifying endeavor. And then we did Cities with our friend Will, where at the end we found out that we were ourselves ghosts floating around the United States, and now we're being all spooked out in air. So maybe that's a question, like, opening up to the whole album. Any ideas for the whole album, how the song fits into the album? Because we go, life during wartime, memories can't wait, air, and then we kind of have a reprieve with heaven, but that's also an existential song as well. Well, I think that he takes, or the band takes, everyday things and puts them in a situation that makes them spooky. And maybe that's what spooky is. Both of you are saying that scary is a moment, just a brief thing, but you can see it. It's concrete. It's like that werewolf over there is scary. Whereas spooky is a little more, you can't really pin it down. Just like you can't really pin down definition of spooky. It's that unknown. It's that impending creepy feeling. And... A lot of the titles of songs in this, we have Mind, Paper, Cities, Animals. We're taking these sort of innocuous things, these normal everyday things, and we're putting them in this creepy, spooky situation. But it's hard to pin down exactly why. Like, what about air is spooky? I'm going back to the lyrics of this song. We don't really have a concrete example. Air can hurt you, but a lot of people haven't had experience. People are telling you not to worry about it, and still it's sinister. Why? Well, I feel like he would have given us the answer if he told us what was happening to his skin or what he needed to be protected against, but that he leaves that so open, like we can never really know what he's fearing. But I mean, he is running away from something, so there has to be something that's either coming after him or like he thinks is coming after him or like is a threat. I'd I'd like to maybe read through some of these lyrics because this song has such a rigid structure that it really just is a verse chorus verse chorus and then a solo out which is very common for the talking heads and let's just dive in it opens up with air air hit me in the face i run faster faster into the air i say to myself what is happening to my skin 
Where is that protection that I needed? Air can hurt you too. Some people say not to worry about the air. Some people never had experience with the air. Like we just said, there is no answer as to what is hurting them. I mean, I guess air is hurting them, but there's no answer as to like what is happening to his skin. It almost seems like this narrator is really like going crazy. And I pictured them as the scientists in the beginning of a apocalyptic movie where they're running around saying like, oh, this giant tidal wave is coming. This giant mecha Godzilla is coming back. Like we have to act, we have to act. And maybe Anthony Fauci is like an example of that. We really have to do something about this COVID problem. Ah, get out of here. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Because by the end of the song, we repeat like that same structure. And he says, some people say not to worry about the air. Some people don't know shit about the air. And when David Byrne curses, that's something to pay attention. He doesn't curse. They don't really curse in any of their songs. And it does seem like in the live versions, this person's losing his mind. Like he makes like weird ghoulish noises and he starts freaking out. And it makes sense. Have you guys ever had an experience like that where you're trying to get a point across and it seems like everyone is like blissfully unaware and like living their lives? It's maddening. I'm happy you brought up the live version because every time I listen to it, I smile, which is kind of weird for listening to this song. But when he does the voices and he's like, faster, faster, it's so funny. No, we were like texting about this when we were talking about the song initially. Yeah. What's the deal with that? Do I don't know, but it makes me think of it in such a monster mashy way because I started thinking about it in like cartoons. Like when I picture what's happening to the song in my head, it's not actual people, but it's some kind of like cartoony thing. Like, I don't know. Like when you said Scooby-Doo, I was like, yeah, that kind of fits it. I don't know. It sounds like a creepy children's song. Yeah, which also kind of reinforces the idea that no one's listening to him because no one's taking him seriously because like you said he's screaming and making all these gargly noises and you're like ah, oh, he's just a cartoon boy don't listen to him and he's like no i'm literally losing my mind the air is going to get you when i just said that the air is going to get you even though we have so many applications to how that makes sense right now it still sounds so silly the air is going to get you and you're like oh watch out for the air but air can hurt you too yeah definitely it's interesting because well, talking about the voice distortions, you can picture like that classic scene in a movie where you have someone and says the end is nigh on their shirt. But I sort of interpreted the song much more personally. Um, like one person suffering against the air, sort of we spoke similarly with memories, another song in fear of music of this person sort of struggling with their memories. But with the voice distortion, yeah, it's almost maybe someone suffocating. I thought it could, the distortion is really creepy. Something about this person, they're either losing their mind or the air is suffocating them, so that's a creepy way to do it. Also, I like this line, hit me in the face, because I think, you know, anytime you've gone out on a really cold day and it does feel like the air just hits you, like it's attacking you or it's a solid form out to get you. And also, it's like, yes, it seems almost childish, like, oh, we have to fear the air, but it's also kind of terrifying too. And I think it can speak to this paranoia or this anxiety about what it, whether it be pollution or nuclear fallout of air, which is, or even COVID is a perfect example too. Air, it's inescapable. It's all around us, right? It's this thing we assume going outside and breathing in fresh air can only be good for us, can only be healthy for us. But what happens when it's coming after you? This person's running faster and they say, I run faster. And I think he goes in the song like faster, faster. And the voice starts to distort. But then he realizes I'm running faster into the air. Just really, it's really creeping me out now going through it. 
you're right. You can't run from it. It's it's almost like every B movie horror trailer that comes out around Halloween's. You can't run from it. You can't see it. It's insert horror movie and a little bird box too or whatever. But this is instead of a bird box, it's air. That's a good point. That's those are a great. A uh, trio of lyrics hit me in the face. I run faster, faster into the air. Every episode, every song we do, I geek out on like the thesis statement that they make at the top of the song. And I think hit me in the face has to be one of the greatest opening like spoken lyrics that I've heard because it does what it is said. It hits you in the face as an opener and contrasts so differently to the airy, dissonant siren song vocals that are singing air as the first lyric spoken should we bit (laughs) we could bit or Devin, do you have a (laughs) do you have a uh an ad no okay i'll let me just let me just air you want me to like just (laughs) oh do you have one that'd be funny could you improvise an advertisement about like buying air yeah oh wait wait, no before you go into it before you go into it wait one second Air. You know it. You love it. You breathe it in. You breathe it out. You breathe it in. You breathe it out some more. But have you ever really stopped and thought about this air thing? How much do we really know about air? Hmm. Air. It can hurt you. For example, air on a cold day. Air on a hot day. Air on a medium temperature day when you're dressed too warmly or too coldly air we like it we think they're a nice guy but really can we trust air listen people don't vote for air in your next election (laughs) propaganda ad against air this ad was taken out by the anaerobic community of non-air breathers space space this ad was by space that went from like a horror movie to I thought maybe you're projecting some relationship issues that you had about not being able to trust someone and then and then turned into a political ad. So it had like all sorts of layers to that. So that was pretty good. Nice. Thanks. Yeah, it evolved as I spoke. So, <laughs> uh, Devin, you said you wanted to do a bit. Yeah, I think um, in the vein of this spooky episode is time to die. Sure. Mel, do you know? So, do you know how to die? No. <laughs> well, perfect. <laughs> Devin, do you care to uh, explain how Devin and Kevin die every episode? Yeah, we're here to teach you how to die. So Devin and Kevin die is a little bit we do where we take a die and we roll it each for a character from a talking head song and then roll it again for a setting from a talking head song and we just run with it and see where we go. So are you ready to die? Oh yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Mel, you are a party human being. I am a crazy president. And we are born without sin. Party human being. I like that. Party human being. A square head. Yeah, speaking of four, four-sided square head. I'll be a square head. I'll take that. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. We're coming in live at the DNC where the presidential nominee, Devin D'Agostino, is getting ready to speak. Oh, here it comes now. Why should I be president, you may ask? Well, where are we right now? The DNC, 
the Devon National Convention. It's in the name, people. I should be president. I need to be president. Why wouldn't you elect me? I, here's some of my, and I have some people to speak on my behalf. Here is the square head, square head, if you'd please. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, hit my head on the <laughs> sign. <clears throat> uh, yes. Uh, hello. I am. My name's not Squarehead. Firstly, I've told you it's Jim. Squarehead I, Jim. Just Jim is fine. But sure, if you want to go Squarehead Jim, um, as the leader of the future president of America and the Democratic representative of the DNC, um, Devin. The Devin National Devin, Convention. Sure. Uh, De the Devon National Convention, um, he obviously is accepting of all people, of all different heads, of all different backgrounds and partying statuses. And I just want to totally uh, agree with him. I think we should do away with the Democratic Party. I think we should make this the Devon Party because Devon is a president for roundheads and squareheads alike. And I stand by that. But not triangle heads. Definitely not trying. I'm coming for you, Phineas. <laughs> and uh, now that we've gotten that out of the way, I'd like to introduce the human embodiment of the Devon party, the party human being, Mel. Hello, hello. So I am the party human being, the human being for the party for Devon's presidential campaign. Um, thank you all for being here. And just want to let you know that you know, as the party human being, I've just seen all the great things that this party can just do for all the people by having more parties in the street, but also being a unified party. There's just a lot of different ways for, you know, party to be used, but we embody all of them. Stop that man. The doors like burst open and there's like 30 triangle headed people <laughs> standing at the doorway. We are the triangle headed party and we're here to absolutely, admonishingly put down the Devon party <laughs> right now, going forward. This is fascism. I swear it. We cannot get away with the Democratic Party. We need to keep it the Democratic Party. It cannot be the Devon party. This man is a crazy president, and he must be put down now. I don't care if he stands for circle heads, square heads, people who are somehow people, but also a party in itself. He needs to go. He needs to end. You make great points, Triangle Heads. I just have one question for you. Who's Devin? You're, I'm Phil. You're Devin. No, I'm Phil. You're Phil? You just got up here, made an impassioned speech, had two people. No, no, I think he's right. The party Devin. supports Phil. I'm the party human being for the Phil party. That's true. And as a squarehead, I really do believe that this man is Phil. I don't know who this Devin is. I swear we were just outside talking as triangle people do in a series of triangles, and we triangulated that this was the location of the Devon National Convention, where you're going to take over the Democratic Party and be a single Devon party. Is that not right? You're just Phil? Oh, oh, that's next. You're looking for the DNC. This is the PNC, the Phil National Convention, where I, Phil. So we burst into the wrong room. Yeah, it's next door. So um, we're actually looking for a party. What do you guys? What do you guys stand for here? Political party or lit party, Woo! or both? I guess it could be the oh. same. 
I'm thinking lit party. Well, it's not here. I'm sorry. Oh. We're the unlit yeah, party. A little low energy. Yeah, you didn't notice all the lights off? The unlit party. <laughs> it's a little dark. God, this hasn't been this boring since I went to a Jeb Bush National Convention. So Woo! I guess we'll just find our way out. Um, all right, good luck, Phil, and party human being and squarehead man. I, I really wish you guys the best. Oh, my God, a meteor. Ah. <laughs> oh, my God, the air. No, that's messed up. We can't do that. <laughs> oh, wait, no, we can't do that. Back to the meteor. I don't think there's any air in here. Yeah, that's been a that was been a, a safe bet to like get out of the Devin and Kevin die bit. Is that just a meteor comes and kills? You really gaslit me right there. As when I came in there and you just were Phil, that really threw a well, I'm a haymaker crazy to what I was standing on. I'm a crazy person, oh. yeah. So going like you know, I don't know who I. We got political. Yeah, we never get political on the you... podcast. It was the air yeah, ad. I'm sorry, I called you a fascist. That's okay. Yeah. That was Devin, I'm Phil. You changed head shapes in the middle. That kind of threw me off. Yeah, I was the square heads, and then I wanted to be like a protest movement because I felt like the square heads were like kind of sympathizing with this overthrow of democracy, and I wanted to throw another shape in there. And I throw think, another shape. I think shape. we talked about this last week. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this last week how the most stable shape was triangles, so I figured a, a nice stable triangle um, could really keep democracy rooted. But what is a square head but two triangle heads together? Oh my god, you're right. I thought that was going to be more profound, but it came out and I was like, oh, no, maybe not. But only if they're isosceles triangles. Otherwise, you're a rectangle head. Yeah, this is actually a really big problem within the triangle head community is that there's a lot of discrimination between isosceles, equilateral, and don't even get me started on obtuse <laughs> triangles. Or right triangles, too. Then it can oh, be more right than one triangles. type of triangle. They think they're so great because they're right all the time and they have 90 degree angles, but I'm so sick of the Pythagorean theorem. So sick. That's how you feel. Sorry. I'm not going to bring triangle politics into this. I'm going to keep it out. But they're letting rules rule like, their whole life. Imagine your whole yeah. life being ruled by A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Yeah, honestly, they're, they're a bit square. They're limiting themselves. Shape politics aside, I think it's time we stop making sense. And what I wanted to bring into this, actually continuing with, continuing with our spooky theme, is this song really reminded me of, and I grabbed the book because um, while you were speaking, I think something Mel said reminded me of one of the stories in it, but I had wanted to talk about another one. It's The October Country by Ray Bradbury. And I discovered it this Halloween season I was reading through. It's really cool. It's a collection of short stories. But it's interesting, and I wanted to focus in on one, but I was realizing, as we talked about fear of music, and that similarly, it has these like singular nouns as the topics of the story. So one is the jar, the lake, the emissary, the wind, which was cool. I completely forgot about it, but it's about this person who's being attacked by the wind. So that fits into our topic there. But one I wanted to focus on was one called skeleton. And basically, it's about this man who becomes obsessed with his skeleton. Like, he, he becomes conscious of it. He says, oh, my God, I have these bones inside me. He thinks of his skull, and he's terrified of it. He wants to get it out of it. He, he thinks that the skeleton is, trying, is, like, out to get him and to kill him. And he's, like, eating a bunch of food, and he's trying to become really fat to keep the skeleton away. Because he keeps, he's getting skinnier and skinnier. 
because of his obsession, whatever it is. And he's seeing like his skull, the lines of his skull pop out. And it's just, it's like really creepy. It's this everyday object, this thing that's obviously inside of us, all of us, and he's coming to terms with it and being totally disturbed by it. And this sort of brought me down a creepier path, again, of taking like a normal everyday object and putting it in an abnormal, strange circumstance or just confronting it for the first time. So I'll have everyone look it up because this obviously isn't a visual medium. Merritt Oppenheim's object or look up object teacup furry. And then give me some initial reactions to that. Yeah, just for those of you not following along at home, basically what we're looking at here is a teacup covered in fur. And yeah, what are your initial reactions? I actually just got this set um, of furry teacups from Costco a few days ago. And honestly, they've worked pretty well. I thought that the furry going in my mouth every morning would be like a really tough way to start the day. But honestly, it has been... Um, just like a nice kind of quirky, wacky way to start my day. It makes me feel a little different. No one else has this furry teacup is all I'm just trying to say. The dishwasher safe. <laughs> That's a good question. I haven't washed it yet because I'm just so happy to use it every single time. Mel, what do you think about this? It's creepy. I don't like it. It's like so unsettling. Like I looked at it and I immediately was like, ew. That's like, I can't imagine drinking out of that and then stirring it the little spoon and the little plate underneath it nice cushion for your fur cup i think i'd definitely get the plate the plate kind of seems nice but the fur spoon and cup i think is kind of gross yeah it's actually an ikea product called gross but yeah i look at that (laughs) and it like something in my deep ancestral lizard brain outright rejects it it repulses me i'm disgusted by it but i can't look away from it it totally freaks me out. And it's interesting, right? You're taking two everyday objects and from the moment on it is that it's like a subtle perversity. It's this juxtaposition of two everyday sensual objects. But when put in this context, it's totally disturbing. Like the skeleton from Ray Bradbury's October Country, like air and talking heads. It also brought me to the idea of the uncanny valley, which is the idea that as things look more and more humanoid, we're more disturbed by them. So that's like where the fear of clowns comes from or the fear of like, what's that movie with the trains in the Christmas? Uh, Polar Express. Polar Express, which is so weird and disturbing because you got those faces that are almost human, but not really. Some scientists propose maybe it comes from like pathogen avoidance, that we have a natural aversion to disease and disease distorts our figures, our features in like ways similar to this uncanny valley or like conflicting perceptual cues. So when you take something and you put it in an abnormal circumstance or you view it in a way you wouldn't normally like that furry cup, it gives us this cognitive dissonance where your mind has this tension like, I know it should be this way and yet I'm seeing it this way. So that's what I wanted to discuss today. You really messed up Polar Express for me, man. I didn't think they were that weird until you said that. But now, and I just typed in Uncanny Valley on Google. And like the second thing that pops up is the female lead from Polar Express. I guess uh, the bell isn't going to ring for me anymore um, for Polar Express. This also made me think of the cortical homunculus. Follow along at home, the cortical homunculus a humanoid that has the sensitive parts of the body distorted so the more sensitive a part of the body is the bigger it is so like the hands lips eyes and feet are like really big 
but like the limbs are really small. Have you guys ever seen this? Like the tongue is really big too. And it's, it becomes this weird homunculus. Devin, when you were talking about something that's sensual, that's just what I was thinking of. And it's also spooky because it is a humanoid and we're scared of it because it looks distorted, but also it looks distorted because it is our own distortion. Kind of like the man who's afraid of his own skeleton. The reason it's distorted is because we have varying levels of sensitivity on our bodies. It's our own fault that it is distorted that way. The hairy cup, the homunculus, the Polar Express, it's all just really gross right now. The cup to me just feels wrong because when I think about it, I think about someone pouring water into it and then the water just absorbing. So then it defeats the whole purpose of a cup. I don't know, but then I guess that kind of relates to the air thing because I was like, well, the air isn't really wrong, but then, you know, air... It kind of like takes away the purpose of the object almost. I think also it's interesting that if the air becomes poisonous to humans, it doesn't necessarily mean the end to all life on Earth. And also because a hairy cup isn't beneficial to humans, it doesn't mean it doesn't have a purpose because we're also looking at it as a piece of art. Devin, I think you said it was in the MoMA. So it is interesting that when the human first function of something is taken away, it doesn't mean that it, it's purposefulless, pur- purposeless. It just changes form. And Mel, I think you were kind of touching on that. Well, I like this, like this egocentric, Kevin, you said all our fault sort of direction or our own fault, this direction we're taking it in. Because when we talk about the air and pollution and COVID and nuclear fallout, these are all things that are all our fault. So we're taking everyday natural things and we're putting them in these circumstances. And I hate to bring it to existentialism again, but I'll just do it briefly. We talked relatively recently about, or we've spoken about it before, Martin Heidegger, and he writes Being in Time. And he talks about how we have everyday objects around us. And only when they're broken or in an abnormal circumstance or missing or just not as we'd expect them, are we finally forced to confront them. And then he uses this as a way to confront the fact of our own mortality. So it's a couple of different steps in between. But like having a furry cup or air that's polluted or realizing the skeletons inside of you. These We talked about like in terms of a phone and your phone doesn't work and you're like, wow, I have this weird rectangle I bring around with me everywhere. And from that, we're forced, I can't remember exactly how he gets there, but we're forced to confront our own mortality. So was that what's so spooky about these songs too? Is that what's so spooky about air is that it's forcing us to confront the fact that things are transient that they not necessarily are made for us and they can turn against us very easily. COVID, nuclear fallout, air pollution. Does mortality have something to do with this song? I think that's why Halloween and Halloween celebrations are similar like all around the world. And there's death ceremonies and day of the dead. And I think that's why it's so spooky because we are forced to face our own humanity and mortality and that's spooky because it's always looming. Like when we're, if we think we're about to die, that's scary. But if knowing eventually you'll die at some day and your death day passes every year and you can never tell what it's going to be until you yourself are dead, that's spooky. It's looming. It's ominous. Uh, Devin, you brought up Heidegger. I've been thinking a lot about his concept of thrownness. Um, and I think a lot of other existentialists talk about thrownness because. It's just an existential idea I'm grappling right now in that we get born into this world 
without our consent and to be born and to exist in itself is traumatic and scary. And I've just been thinking about that a lot, like how I think everyone needs some sort of emotional and psychological regulation and to support each other through that, because no matter who you are or how well adjusted you are, existence is traumatic and scary. And I think if I've just been thinking about that, like I think I'm a very well adjusted guy, but I'm still traumatized, not by my birth, like I had a tough birth, like or something went wrong, but just being alive is traumatic. Connecting the entire thing to mortality, like I feel like air is like a piece of that whole puzzle because it's like something that you need to keep you alive and something that you rely on. It can turn against you at any moment. So I feel like that's kind of the most traumatic part of life. We rely on things to stay alive. And if any one of those things gets taken away or turns against us or starts chasing us and David Burns like faster, faster in the background. Like, you know, it can like, it can be really traumatic and scary. So I think this is like air is like a piece of what you just said and supports your argument. It's interesting that he talks about it first. It hits him in the face and he's like running away from it and it's hurting his skin and he needs protection. And then he says, it can break your heart. So remember when the weather gets rough and then he doesn't tell you anything to remember. He just leaves it. Yeah, that's interesting. So he says, so remember when the weather gets rough, but what is it that you'll say to yourself, what is happening to my skin? And it can break your heart. Does this turn it into love or is it something to do with pressure, like the pressure of air crushing your lungs? <laughs> I think uh, that might be the lyric I choose that most relates to myself right now. So remember when the weather gets rough, you'll say to yourself, where is that protection that I needed? Devin, before we started recording, we were talking and <laughs> I was talking about how February just like isn't kind to me. I'm like, I was born in the spring. I really like the spring and I just kind of get down and all the snow and the, it's just not fantastic. I'm fine. I was just talking about the traumatic nature of my life and talking about how February's got me down, but I swear I'm okay. But I think that when we're talking about death, confronting our own mortality, when the weather gets rough and you're feeling down, then you ask, like, what is happening to me? Where is that protection that I feel like I needed? That's when you turn off autopilot and you really have to, like, confront these really difficult truths about existence and emotions and the scary parts of your life. And that's really difficult. And I understand why this narrator's really kind of going crazy because it seems like he doesn't have anyone to bounce these ideas off of or he doesn't have any trusted allies that are like yeah no i totally think that the air is scary too and i think that's important when we're feeling down we're feeling misunderstood that's the benefit of events like this where we're all in a zoom call talking about a common subject that we're trying to work through and we're bouncing ideas off each other and i think that's in a form the protection that we need we need friends and music to guide us through these really troubling parts of our lives. When the air is clean, we don't really, we take it for granted, but when it starts getting threatened, then we're like, whoa, this was actually pretty good. Maybe we should protect it. It's like the COVID analogy to like life. COVID, everyone's like, oh, I just want to go hang out with my friends. I don't even want to do anything. I just want to not wear my mask. Yeah, I mean, back to Heidegger, right? It's when we have to confront these everyday objects in abnormal settings or realize what they are is when we realize how important they are to us. And I like, you guys are bringing it totally optimistically. Yes, right? There are these spooky, scary things we can't pin down, especially if we interpret this song, move away from literal to 
Maybe it's emotional trauma or mental trauma. There's not necessarily like the scary werewolf that we can say, okay, let's get away from the werewolf, but it's all around you. Ooh, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> so if we're talking about air and like mental trauma, right, that is something you can't escape. You can run as fast as you want to get away from it, but it's inside you. It's that spooky skeleton trying to get out. And the protection that you think you had, oh, this is me. This is my mind, right? I should be safe in there suddenly isn't when that collapses, it totally changes the way we look at things. And going back to that line, so remember when the weather gets rough, I think we can either take it pessimistically or optimistically. Maybe it is like, oh, remember, you can't escape this stuff. It's always around you. You can't control the weather. This is some scary impending doom that you have no control over. Or maybe it's optimistic to say when the weather gets rough, Think about how you were before it got rough, sort of like what Mel was saying, right? Before COVID, now all we want is just to hang out with friends and go outside without a mask on. That these everyday things we take for granted can really be beautiful and amazing. And we should make a point of trying to embrace it or when we're in those tough times, reminding ourselves that, well, eventually we'll get out of it and back to those normal things that are actually really good. Throughout the course of our whole discussion, I feel like air has to be a metaphor for something because he's saying... You know, the last one of the last lines is some people never had experience with air. So if you just take it at face value, then that really makes no sense. But then I want to know, did he just write the song like and just write the lyrics because they fit because he liked them? Because I know he does that sometimes. Or did he think did he structure it and say, like, air is a really good metaphor for blah, 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 because it does really fit well as a metaphor for like the, all the different scenarios that we talked about. So I want to know, like what he did. David Byrne, if you ever hear this, I really want to know <laughs> what you were thinking when you wrote this song. He's an avid listener. That, that's a good point. When we like to wrap up, we like to say, what are we going to stay hungry for going forward? I think I'm going to keep listening to the song. I'm going to go with a new appreciation for it and just see what my brain fills in as the air metaphor on this listen and see if the weather is rough what am I falling back on? What are the things that I'm wishing I am doing? And what are the things that are helping me get through these tough times? And it's a nice meditation uh, over a pretty tumultuous song. So yeah, that's exciting. Um, Devin, how are you going to stay hungry? Yeah, I think I'm going to look for those everyday objects that I don't really pay attention to, those things in my life that I ignore or take for granted and find the joy on, in them and really focus on these things that I, I should be grateful for. That although they are always around me or it's just like a normal everyday factor of living, whether it be going outside and breathing in fresh air or you know having a house over your head, just appreciating all of the things I take for granted. Wonderful. Mel, how do you get stay hungry? I'd like for you to have the final word. Um, well, I'm going to patiently wait for David Byrne to get back to my question. Besides that, kind of what Devin was saying, like, don't want to take for granted anything in my life because they can turn against me, like, in air. It's scary. Just being grateful for the present moment and how things are right now. Wonderful. I mean, I, I don't know how we do it, but we've somehow found found a way to make this song very positive, and I feel, I feel invigorated. So... Mel, thanks for coming on the show. Devin, always appreciate talking, talking heads with you. Any closing thoughts, Devin? Ooh, spooky. <laughs>
Thank you. This has been Devin, Kevin, and Mel. Stop making sense. We'll see you next time. Bye. Uh, <laughs> Keep breathing. Mm-hmm.